Thanks to Clean My Mac X for sponsoring the Apple Bits XL. It's the all-in-one package to clean your Mac and make it run like it did on day one. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. Ah, uh, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everyone. If this is your first show, hey, welcome. This is our weekly recap of all the big things that happen in tech and specifically really around Apple. And this was a huge week. You know, we're going to talk about Apple announcing, officially announcing the iPhone SE. It's kind of a big deal. But before we get to that, we've got some business to talk about. This show is all about you all. Remember, we're going to hit, I think, around eight phone calls in this episode because I've been kind of stocking them up. You can be a part of the show. It adds so much texture and flavor. And honestly, you guys and gals are like the heartbeat of the show as well. So all you have to do, use your voice memo app, record something, whether you're on Android or iPhone, and then send it to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is the way to support all of my content, podcasts, videos, everything I do. It starts at $2 a month. If my content's worth $5 a month for you, a cup of coffee, I'd appreciate that. We go up to 10, the 25, the $100 level. And I know these times are crazy and it's not easy. So I thank all of you who are supporting the show. But if you can, I'd appreciate it as well. And I'm just going to keep on hustling and giving it to you. So, all of the stuff that I do here, patreon.com slash Tong is the way to support it. The benefits are you get rewards at each level. I mail some cool stuff out to you. Also, you get early access to the show, typically about a day before it goes out to the main public. And thirdly, no ads whatsoever. You hear none of this. You hear none of the ads. It's just a clean, smooth podcast from start to finish. I'm thankful for your support. So patreon.com slash Tong. All right, let's get to the show. The big news here is a fish. It's official. Apple finally announces the new iPhone SE, and every spec that we heard about, that we saw, that our buddy John Prosser had talked about from a long time ago, it literally came true tit for tat. There were no surprises. You know, some people were hoping maybe there'd be some secret feature, but no, there's not. And we're going to kind of go down this list and I'm going to break down a few things from it. So the iPhone SE, obviously the iPhone 8 body. So it has a 4.7 inch Retina AC display, A13 Bionic chip, the brains of a current iPhone, the most powerful, fastest processor in a phone anywhere to date. You also have the Touch ID home button. And I find that really interesting. Now, I've always, you've heard me, I prefer Touch ID over Face ID. Quite honestly, it's more reliable for me. It's faster. Although, yes, the design is no longer full screen. Whenever the day comes that it's integrated into the display the right way, and we've seen it been pulled off pretty nicely on some Android phones when it comes to Apple, I'll be happy in another two, three years, I bet. Also, up to 256 gigs of storage. Other side notes to note, It's a lightning port connector on the bottom. There is no headphone jack. Also, underneath the hood, we've got Wi-Fi 6 support. So it's the, other than the iPhone 11 and 11 Pro, it's the only other phone, the new iPhone SE, that supports Wi-Fi 6 for future proofing. Also, Bluetooth 5.0. The camera itself on a device like this, it's going to use the single lens 12 megapixel wide-angle camera. 
It does support portrait mode for individuals. It does not have anything like the night mode, but we're looking at pretty much what we believe to be maybe the optics and hardware from the 10R, the single lens, but using kind of the advancements in the new image processor and computational photography that the iPhone has done and really evolved with over time. It's also capable of wireless charging. Price point, $399. I know a lot of you have read about this, but think about think about this thing. $399 for a phone with an A13 Bionic chip that is going to last you years. I've seen a lot of people say, oh, you can get an Android phone for $399, and I'm not crapping on Android, but I'm going to tell you right now, the iPhone SE with an A13 Bionic chip is going to last you a whole lot longer than an Android phone from a standpoint of look at how far even Apple supports their their phones, especially currently, you're going to get a phone that's going to last, quite honestly, I'm going to give it three to five years. There's so much headroom with the fact that they aren't really utilizing the full power of the A13 Bionic chip. So who is this phone really for? When I think about it, if you're an iPhone 6 6S user right now and you haven't upgraded and you're looking for an upgrade, there's a lot of people that don't like the idea of Face ID. They don't like the idea of the touch gestures. There's a certain group of people in, which is outside of the confines of our tech-savvy audience, our tech-bubble audience, that, and some of you that listen that just that love Touch ID and love the current gestures and interface. This is for you. But not only is it for those people, I think about my mom. She's been asking, should I get this year's new iPhone? And I'm like, the 12? I think that's way too much for you. If there's a phone for her that came at the right time, it's the iPhone SE. What about people with multiple members in their family? You're gonna really be dropping $1,000 on a new phone, even $800 on a new phone, when you can get a phone for $399 that has the current processor in it, has everything you need. I, I don't see why you wouldn't consider it. I, to me, if someone asks me what phone should I get, I always ask them right away, what do you do? When they tell me what they do, I'm gonna guess 60 to 70% of those people would be able to get by just fine with the new iPhone SE. Now, if you want all the camera benefits, you've obviously got to bump up, get get the newer iPhones. Man, you might even just be able to be fine with getting an 11 Pro once uh, those go down in price and the 12 comes out because the 12 big benefits 5G, the LiDAR sensor for augmented reality, faster processor, maybe, I don't know how much better the camera's gonna get on this 2020 iPhone. Fine, I'll call it the iPhone 12 or the 2020 iPhone. Not that, maybe not that much. And if you're sitting right next to a 5G tower, then maybe it's worth it. But uh, the iPhone SE is a killer value. I said it in my video if you watched it, this is gonna be Apple's best-selling iPhone, but it's also going to be the best-selling phone of the year. Of the year, over any phone in the entire industry. I know it's a hot take, but right when I saw this thing, that's what I thought. Now, it starts at 64 gigs of storage, which will be $399. You can go up to 128 or 256 gig options, so that would be $449 or $549, This is an LCD display. It's not an OLED, okay? But this is really that iPhone 8 body design, IP67 rated for water resistance, similar battery life as the iPhone 8, which was getting about 13 hours of video playback when I checked out the website. This is 
what's crazy about this phone is, you know, when we first heard about this phone, I ripped on it because, and it, I still believe this, this is a Tim Cook special. This is taking old parts from the supply chain that have already been paid for, that they don't, there's no overhead for creating a new design, and they're making money off of just some of their older stuff, but if there was a perfect time for a phone to come out like this, this is the time. Think about our current climate, the coronavirus pandemic, people's budgets are a whole lot tighter. Quite honestly, you probably expect there's gonna be people that aren't even looking to buy a phone, but if they are, you can't tell me the same amount of people that upgraded from a iPhone XS to an 11 are also going to be spending that same amount of cash from an iPhone 11 to the new 2020 iPhone. There's gonna be a pullback. And especially if you're a family, whether it was now in this climate or if things were just business as usual, this would still be the phone for your family. So I think the timing of it is incredible. You know that Apple, Tim Cook has kind of set this up, this expectation of, hey, we have four or five iPhone models. Well, now the budget model has the same guts as the current high-end model for at least, what, six months? This is crazy. And every time I hear people complain about the iPhone SE, it's because the iPhone SE isn't for them. You know, we can't continue to play this game. Uh, Specifically, I would say in general with some of, you know, my fellow tech YouTubers like, oh, the only phone worth getting is the high-end phone. Well, guess what? We're all on different budgets. We all have different circumstances. And so let's celebrate the advancements in tech, but not crap on this type of phone That is truly the phone for everyone, whether you want to be in the ecosystem for Apple or not. So I'm I'm gonna call it, I'm gonna call it right now. Yes, be surprised. I might have flipped my mind. Maybe the current times have changed, but the iPhone SE is a good Apple. Yes! 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 Oh, it's so good. I'm surprised. If you if you had me do this a year ago probably wouldn't be sounding the same. But you know what? Things have changed. I'm, I'm really curious about you all. I'd love to hear you all call in, send them in to applebitshow at gmail.com. Is the iPhone SE for you or is it not for you? Are you waiting for the new flashy flagship phone? Because on my comments on my YouTube video, there's a real strong vocal group of people who are definitely getting the SE. And it's not like three or four. I feel like when I see the comments of people commenting about the phone, half of them are saying, I'm waiting for the flagship. The other half are saying, I'm getting the SE. Really fascinating. And uh, Apple has created a winner that's specific to what's going on in these times. Other costs that might be involved with the iPhone SE, Apple Care Plus for it, $79. That's a $50 price drop compared to Apple Care Plus for the now discontinued iPhone 8. In a way, this kind of takes the slot of the iPhone 8, but again, it has an A13 Bionic. It's crazy. Another cool perspective, uh, Matt Gonzalez on Twitter, he wrote, look, right now, as of today, you could get an iPhone SE, AirPods, and an Apple Watch for a total of $750. That's still a lot of money, but to be plugged into the ecosystem that strongly, which you know Apple wants, Man, they should even make that like a special bundle or something. You can get those three things because let's be honest, the iPhone, the sorry, the Apple Watch Series 3 is still the most popular Apple Watch right now. Do you really 
Do people in general, when you think about the general consumer, really need the iPhone, uh, Apple Watch Series 5? Sorry, my brain's jumbled. Do they really need the Series 5? No, they can get by just fine with the Series 3. Other cool things about this, the iPhone SE comes in black, white, and red. The product red color, if you buy that one, a portion of the proceeds go directly to the global fund to help battle coronavirus. So that's really impressive. In fact, Apple is redirecting all of their product red proceeds to COVID-19 relief efforts. This is going to be going through all the way through September the 30th before it was pushed the revenue or those earnings. Part of them were pushed towards life-saving HIV and AIDS programs for product red. They will now be pushed towards COVID-19 relief. That's just amazing, and I absolutely love that move. Okay, well, guess what? It was iPhone SE day on this past Wednesday, and you know John Prosser had thrown out the idea, the date. What he had, he was on our show over two weeks ago. So obviously, his information is as good as we said it would be. And in a few instances, I I had to back him up because some people were throwing throwing arrow throwing knives at him, and no, like his info is legit so it all came to fruition and the funny thing is like when apple announced the new ipad pro with the magic keyboard announcement that was a few weeks ago or so was it a month ago or so um and the new macbook air they released the info at 5 a.m well i woke up at 5 a.m for this iphone se announcement and it didn't come out i'm like oh my gosh okay i woke up at 6 a.m to check nothing I woke up at 7 a.m., still nothing. I'm like, ah, oh, forget it. They're not going to do it until later. I slept through my alarm that was set for 8 a.m., and then I, I just kind of randomly woke up at 8.45 a.m., and I'm like, oh, it's there. And so I got to work and put my video together. And I will. I did pre-order an iPhone SE just to do a review for you all. Um, but the other product that I pre-ordered that was made available, same time, the Magic Keyboard for the iPad Pro 11-inch and iPad Pro 12.9 inch are now available for pre-order on Apple's website. We did not expect this. Remember, Apple originally told us the iPad Pros would be available in May. Well, they're not. It's $299 for the 11 inch. This works with the first gen and second generation 11 inch iPad Pros. Basically, any iPad Pros from late 2018 with that new thin bezel design. Those are the ones that work with this. The 12.9 inch iPad Pro. Magic Keyboard case is $349. They're both available for pre-order right now. When I made my order, the shipping dates were between April 23rd and April 30th. If you do a pre-order today, at least here in the US, that date has shifted to April 27th to May 4th. But they beat the timeline. They beat the timeline of what they expected to do. So anytime a company does that, and it's, Arguably one of the most anticipated products that I'm looking forward to this year. You know what it is. That's a good apple. Yeah. Oh, I am loving that. Magic keyboard coming soon. But you know what? Surprisingly enough, you are not left out if you have the seventh generation iPad 10.2 inch and the 10.5 inch iPad Air. Okay, so think about this. This is kind of the 10-inchers that have the home button 
a 10.2 inch 7th gen iPad and 10.5 inch iPad Air, they are also getting new keyboard cases with trackpads from Logitech. So Logitech has made their own keyboard case for them with trackpads designed in partnership with Apple. It's going to be called the Logitech Combo Touch Keyboard Case with Trackpad for iPad. Again, the Logitech Combo Touch Keyboard Case with Trackpad for iPad. For the Air, it's called the Logitech Combo Touch Keyboard Case with Trackpad for iPad Air. Now, these can be purchased on the Apple online store. They're going to be $149 each. The iPad Air model is also compatible with the earlier 10.5-inch iPad Pro. So this is from Logitech. The trackpad supports all of the multi-touch gestures and scrolling. It has a full-size backlit keyboard, much like Apple's own Magic Keyboard. They were designed with input from Apple. They both support the smart connectors on the iPad. So for those of you who thought you were left in the dust... I'd be damn excited if I were you. I would be excited about this. So once again, they are available on Apple's online store. They are the only available keyboards with trackpads that work with older iPad models at this time. Because remember, the magic, as I like to call it, that's limited to just the 2018 and 2020 iPad Pro models. You you all should be happy. This is this is worth celebrating for some because The iPad is one of those products that you do not need to upgrade every year. Speaking of upgrades, the 12.9-inch iPad Pro, when it came out this year, the new new one, everyone was like, um, okay, the 2020 edition has the LiDAR camera. The performance is literally exactly the same other than an additional graphics core that has been unlocked, which we have now been confirmed that that is the case. So there were a lot of rumblings about this new mini LED 5G A14X iPad Pro coming out in the third quarter later this year. According to new reports, that has been possibly delayed until early 2021. And we heard a lot way, way back from John Prosser who mentioned this, but also said, hey, because of coronavirus and delays, we don't know for sure. The plan was for it to come t- towards the end of this year. My hunch, we'll see how the current new 2020 iPad Pro performs sales-wise, but I've got to imagine with everything that's going on, and I said this right when it came out, maybe Apple should just wait it out and release that one next year. I don't, I don't see people spending droves and droves of money this year on Apple products. It's going to be more essential, and if you bought an iPad in the past few years, you pretty much really do you really 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 need a new ipad maybe if you're a digital artist and you want the advantages of the new ipad pro then yes but i would still steer people to buy the 2018 ipad pro and save money over the 2020 ipad pro unless you're a developer that really wants to dive into the ar that's the only time that i could really say okay go for it otherwise i'd say no 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 so we have Apple, they announced the iPhone SE, the new iPhone SE, the best, I'm going to argue the best bang for buck in an Apple product that we have seen in a long time. I don't I don't want to go out there and say in the history of Apple, but I'm kind of feeling that. 
that the iPhone SE is the best bang for buck product that Apple has ever made. So you think, wow, things are changing. Apple is changing until they also announce the Mac Pro's wheel kit designed for the Mac Pro. Remember back in the day, just a few months ago, Apple's all new Mac Pro had an option, built to order option to put wheels on it. Now the trick was that you either had to buy it with just its standard feet or you could build it custom to build with the wheels. The wheels allowed to be more portable, drag them around. And then Marquez Brownlee showed a video of his Mac Pro with wheels. And depending on the slope of the ground, if it's kind of one of those more slick linoleum floors or cement floors in an office, which is common, the Mac Pro could roll by itself on its wheels because they don't lock. So it was a surprise after the value of the 399 iPhone SE that Apple released the Mac Pro wheels kit online. The kit is priced at $699. (laughs) That is not $6.99, folks. That is $699. Okay. So before tax, it's roughly $175 per wheel for a Mac Pro. Damn. You know, honest to God, you can, $175 per wheel, that's how much wheels cost for a regular car. (laughs) This is for the Mac Pro. Oh my God. This is, when I just said Apple made their best bang for buck product in the iPhone SE, this might be their worst product bang for buck. And someone might be mumbling right now, what about the XDR display stand that's $1,000? The reason why I say no to that is that back in the day, the iMac that had the sunflower neck we talked about on the show, to replace that neck, that swivelable, swivel, right, that weight, kind of that weightless, posable neck, looked like a Pixar lamp. If you worked in an Apple store, that part cost $750 to replace. So only because I know that, and now we all know that, that I'm going to say, you know what, that stand for the XDR display is makes sense i'm not saying go buy it i'm just saying it makes sense the wheels do not make sense (laughs) they don't you can't lock the wheels the wheels are there they don't even got spinner rims i honestly when i saw this i said this is wheelie expensive sorry i had to do that i didn't where's my rim shot when i need it also for those of the people that did the build to custom order the wheel kit that came with their Mac Pro. Maybe they're like, oh, this, my thing's rolling all over the place. I do not like this. If you made that boo-boo, Apple is also offering the Mac Pro feet kit for people who want to swap back to standard feet because you can only pick one or the other. The feet kit is priced at $300. I'm just going to leave it at that. So after one of the best values that Apple has ever made, one of the best, they just completely crapped themselves there. I got a bad feeling about this. It ain't good. It ain't good. All right. Big thanks again to Clean My Mac X for sponsoring 
this episode of the Apple Bits XL. Clean My Mac X replaces dozens of optimization tools for the Mac. It can be a macOS cleaner, a performance monitor, and malware remover all in one app. Now it cleans up years worth of system junk and just makes your computer run faster. I have used this app, quite honestly, for as long as I can remember, way, way back in. When I just recently used the newest version, I was able to free up eight gigs of space when I did a cleanup. It also fights off malware, adware, ransomware, and pretty much all the wares that are specific to macOS. It even found a piece of adware uh, that I didn't even notice was on my machine. I'm like, oh crap. So it removed that for me. You can get up to five times more free disk space and two and a half times faster app launching with Clean My Mac X. There's also this cool menu bar widget up at the top, right? Where you have kind of like your clock and your utilities where you can access all the essential tools and it just lets you run them with ease with just one click. I can see things like my computer CPU performance, um, how much memory my Mac is using at different times, network speed, and even how much stuff is in my trash to get rid of. So go to macpod.com slash podcast. The link is also in the description of this podcast. And you can use the promo code AppleBits with a Z and you'll get the special price of $30 for an annual subscription just for Apple Bits listeners. Clean My Mac X, it's the all-in-one package to clean your Mac and make it run like it did on day one. All right, let's get to more stories and Bloomberg. Always hard at it, cracking new stories. Bloomberg has revealed that Apple is planning to unveil their high-end over-ear wireless headphones, which you've talked about, with magnetically swappable parts later this year. So these are the long-rumored headphones, uh, kind of their Bose equivalents, their Sony XM3 equivalents, their stylish high-end studio type headphones with what we believe to use the H1 chip. So you have hands-free Siri, you have noise canceling, you have the big cushy ear pads on them as well. So here's what Bloomberg is saying. The premium version will have these leather-like fabrics and then it'll also have a fitness-focused model that uses lighter breathable materials with small perforations. So check this out. The way that it's described is that prototypes of this headphone have a retro look with oval-shaped ear cups that swivel, and then a headband connected by thin metal arms. The arms will stem from the top of the ear cups rather than the sides. So you sometimes see see the arm attached on the outside. They're saying it's going to attach on the top part of the ear cups. Interesting. Now, also according to Mark Gurman sources from Bloomberg, who's a friend of the show, the over-ear earphones that Apple is current, currently developing have ear pads and headband padding that attach to the frame of the headphones magnetically. So this will potentially allow users to swap them in and out for customization and replacement. It may even allow design users to easily convert the headphones from comfort headphones to fitness headphones. This is also really interesting. Expecting to use the wireless pairing, the noise cancellation I talked about, and all the other H1 features. These headphones have been rumored for years, but the expectation is that we will see these sometime this year. Very cool. We've we've even seen like icons of them leaked inside of iOS 14's beta. But I love this story because I'm all I'm honestly look to me. 2019 was the year that Apple got their mojo back. Clearly, they had been playing that for two or three years, but they realized how they were turning off some of their loyal customers like me, and now they're addressing both the consumer market and their fans that have been loyal to them for years that want them to go balls to the wall with products like the Mac Pro, even though 
I can't afford one, but also just make their best product truly the best that they can. And I know I'm not saying they have all the features, but they have the polish that we expect. And yes, I'm still missing a lot of features that I wish they threw in there that Android phones are just kicking our ass on. But look, we're part of the ecosystem. That's why you're probably listening or you're part of the ecosystem in one way, shape or form. And there are things that we absolutely do love about them and things that we absolutely can't stand about them. Also, Bloomberg talked a bit uh, in an article ranging about the iPhone 12 coming out, which pretty much supports everything we've heard, right? Four different models, a more iPhone 4 slash 5 design. Um, And that design will be expected to be on the two, at least the very least, two higher end models of the four phones that we're expecting to see. But also got some cool new HomePod news. Now, according to Bloomberg, Apple's working on a new HomePod, which we've heard about for a while but it would be a HomePod mini that is roughly half the size of the current HomePod and is expected to come out sometime this year. There were no other details about new functionality. We know that it needs a lot more, but also there was a report from 9to5Mac that talked about how the HomePod itself in a change with the HomePod software 13.4 update moved from being based off of pure iOS to now being based on tvOS. Now, the thing about this is that whether you're on tvOS, watchOS, or iOS, they're all, the the underpinnings of them are based on iOS. But now that the new HomePod software has the HomePod based on tvOS, there's a few things of maybe why it did this. It's not that we're seeing anything ground shaking, but one of the big reasons is that iOS itself does not support processors as far back as an A8 chip, like once iOS 14 comes out, it's likely that iOS will drop support for the A8 processor. Well, guess what runs on an A8 processor? The HomePod. So it is actually practical for them to move it over to tvOS because the fourth gen Apple TV, HD only model, not the 4K model, it also runs on an A8 chip. Now, the other thing that is kind of similar about this is tvOS, for example, iOS has battery management that for a mobile device that doesn't need to exist in tvOS because tvOS products are just plugged in all the time. So it doesn't need to worry about that as well. Also, you know, who knows what we could be seeing because there have been already leaked confirmations, at least from 9to5Mac who digs into the code that we are expecting two new HomePod models right this year. We don't know exactly what they are, but the assumption would be maybe a regular size model and a HomePod mini. They also dug in a tvOS and found that we should be expecting another new Apple TV this year as well. So a lot of things are just lining up um, for, even though this is the one of the oddest times for Apple to be putting out a product with every category, we've said it before, they're a business. They're in business to make money. They still can't just stop all their plans to release all these products, at least most of them. And if they can do it, they should do it. It also helps the economy. It's just going to be interesting to see how much people are really willing to spend. Like, you know me, as someone who covers this for my job, I do buy them and I do review them, but I do return some of the products as well. I don't keep, I definitely don't keep them all because it's not, I'm on a budget. I've got to make smart decisions of which products that I keep in house for the long run. And then also if it's worth upgrading, I absolutely will. Other upgrades that might be interesting for you. Apple has now seeded the second beta of the upcoming macOS 
Catalina 10.15.5 update. Now, I got to be honest with you. I did a review of Catalina, uh, I think, one month after because I wanted to wait it out. And I felt that if you didn't need to upgrade to Catalina, quite honestly, you shouldn't. You, sh- you just shouldn't because specifically this is the cutoff OS where if you have a lot of legacy apps that are not 64-bit compatible apps, they go bye-bye. And some of my uh, multimedia creation tools would go bye-bye. In fact, I have a, I mean, I know it's old, but the computer that I record this podcast on is I believe a 2010 or 2011 iMac. It's one of the big screen iMacs. And I have not updated Catalina because it would kill some of the apps that I use to kind of finish off this podcast. So every time they ask me to update, I say no. And if one day someone borrows my computer and hits yes, I'm going to kill them. Anyways, macOS Catalina 10.15.5 is getting some bug fixes. No no kind of major, major stuff. But there have been a, a new feature in it that is kind of really interesting to people. They're bringing battery health management to macOS Catalina. And this would be specific for the Macs. And this is not the same. It doesn't won't behave the same like battery management on an iPhone. Because remember, if the battery health on your iPhone is not doing very well in order to preserve it, they actually throttle the battery life down or battery speed. They throttle the speed of the processor down to preserve battery life. Here, it's different with MacBooks or Macs. Really, this is specific to MacBooks because they're portables. They will prevent the battery from charging all the way. So it'll stop short of a full charge when it's plugged in through this battery health management feature. It's really designed to extend the overall lifespan of a Mac notebook by reducing the rate of its chemical aging. So that's interesting, right? We know that over time, you know, I've been told, oh, drain your battery all the way to the bottom and then do a full charge every once in a while. But don't always do trickle charging, like keeping it, oh, it's 75, go all the way to the max. 75, I'll go all the way to the max. So I've I've kind of every once in a while, I make sure my battery goes all the way down. And the idea is to preserve that kind of low end and high end of how much battery storage space you have. So this is a new feature that they're bringing to Catalina 15.5 for Macs specifically. There's also some other features um, that came at least with 10.15.4 with um, screen time, communication limits, iCloud folder sharing, and real-time Apple Music lyrics. Very cool. So just be on the lookout for that. I, I mean, this is all these are all improvements that are going to be really important and really helpful to you. The other thing that I forgot to mention, um, a quick mention about Bloomberg's report with the HomePods. I also forgot to mention they had a quick mention about the AirTags. Those are those tags that we will most likely see this year for tracking items, throwing them on keychains, purses, other expensive valuables, using the U1 chip for ultra wideband, which pretty much specifically places where your product is. According to Bloomberg, the AirTags will also come with a leather pouch and a keychain to make them more easily to attach or carry with you. Man, talk about luxurious and fancy. You're telling me the AirTags get a leather pouch for themselves? That's crazy. That is crazy. All right, we're going to go hit up our calls. I told you to be a part of the show. If something hits you, you want to correct me, I will stand corrected. You want to educate us because I don't know everything and you have a specialty that is smarter than all of our minds combined for Apple Bits Nation. Absolutely call in, record a voice memo, and then send it to applebitsshow 
at gmail.com. That's Apple Bits Show with a Z. So let's just start getting through them. We'll go to our first call. It is our buddy, Camada. Oh, hey, Brian. It's your boy, Camada, here. Oh, Camada, our oh, home man, and native land. land. I'll let you finish the rest of the song, Brian. <laughs> uh, listen, just wanted to let you know, calling in with a comment and a question. Um, you know, with your last podcast of talking to John Prosser about the iPhone SE and how it's planning to launch on April the 15th. And, you know, last time I called in, I wasn't genuinely excited for the phone. But just over the last little while, Brian, I'm I'm genuinely excited for this phone. It's kind of my ideal smartphone from, you know, it's enhancements from what I currently have from like speed and wireless charging, battery life, water and dust resistance and the ability to use air tags in the future. So it's kind of like right in a sweet spot for me. So I just wanted to let you know I'm genuinely excited for that phone but got me to thinking is there a possibility that you know apple has got a uh, secret feature or something in the se that hasn't come out in the rumors yet and when we find out on the 15th what that might be it might be even genuinely more a bit more exciting uh just the build-up to it has just been kind of overwhelming just wanted to get your thoughts on that and brian just uh with coronavirus going around right now we know it's affected kind of everything from tech to tech conferences to you know launches of various products throughout the year you know it's you know it's affected all of us but it's also been a big thing online for conspiracy theories we've heard about you know coronavirus being in a chinese lab laboratory in wuhan Uh, but there's another one that affects technology and it pertains to 5g and i had a conversation the other night with my family about this just wanted to let you know if you've heard about this conspiracy theory and uh what your thoughts are about it thanks looking forward to hearing from you okay camada thanks for the call first of all let's just nip this bad boy in the bud 5g does not cause or make you more prone to get coronavirus please i mean it's crazy that we had that this these conspiracy theories have started to grow to some people treat it as fact but please just look it up i'm gonna tell you right now 5g does not cause or spread coronavirus. Okay, thank you. Now, from your other comment, what secret feature did the iPhone SE have? Because now that we know, some of these calls are from a little while back, but it's still relevant. I got it. The i the secret feature the iPhone SE has. It's not really what it has. It it's what it doesn't have. It doesn't have a notch. It does not have a notch and that is something that we should all celebrate iphone se it got no notch all right let's talk to my man aaron hope hey brian this is aaron hope from durham north carolina calling you back um this is in reference to the ipad pro's new keyboard i'm actually a person who takes photos with their ipad professionally. Um, (laughs) And that's because I am a uh, building inspector and I uh, inspect new construction homes uh, looking for their energy efficiency. And uh, the photos I take, I'll take um, as the houses are being framed up uh, just to let the building supervisor know where they can tighten the houses up. Um, So I'll use the markup features. I'll use sketch and uh, send emails back on over to them and correspond with them. And yeah, you'll see me you know, around a job site, holding an iPad up, like, (laughs) 
take this picture with an iPad. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'm looking forward to the keyboard, uh, the, the new smart keyboard. Um, I'm thinking this would really have a, a, a great impact on my workflow. Uh, just having to have a car for an office, uh, you know, kind of being mobile, um, being able to kind of take the, the, the iPad off of the keyboard and, and, you know, go on site and collect my data, upload my data and then be able to pop it back on the keyboard stand and type out emails and, you know, reports and things like that. This would make it an ultra ultra portable uh, solution for all the different ways that I use it. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Sincerely yours, guy who takes photos with iPad. Later. <laughs> I was almost not going to play that voicemail. I'm just kidding, Aaron. Love that. And. Look, you own it. You be proud. You know what? Just because I just because I hate on it, you be proud. And the biggest difference is that you do it for work. So I'm okay with that. But if you took your iPad to a concert and held it up in front of me, I would not be very happy about that. I don't want to see that. So Aaron, uh, that's a great, great call. Own it next time you call again and be like, yeah, I'm the guy who takes photos with an iPad. Believe that. But um, the Magic Keyboard, again, it's on pre-order. We just talked about it earlier. Game changer, man. Game changer for the iPad Pro specifically. People with surfaces are like rolling their eyes. I'm just saying for the iPad Pro, it's a game changer, okay? Just let people have their moment once in a while. Just like I let Aaron have that voicemail. All right, next up, we got Trevor calling in. It's Trevor from Arizona. Hey, quick question about keyboards. So the new iPad keyboard is a magic keyboard. The new keyboard on the MacBook is a magic keyboard. The new keyboard that I got on my iMac 2019 i9, which is a beast by the way, is a magic keyboard. But then you guys started to talk about that inverted T and I noticed on my new iMac that I got last year that doesn't have the inverted T, but it's a magic keyboard. But then the other keyboards do have the inverted T, but are also magic. So is it the same keys on the keyboard that are all magic? Or is it just all magic? <laughs> uh, uh, help me out here. Is it? I really want to know, is it the same function or the same keys that are on all the keyboards now they're just making it universal and they're just calling a magic keyboard or is it actually different keys on magic but they're just calling all their keyboards magic keyboards call it magic call it true okay you know that song it's it's all magic baby don't you know anything that apple makes it's magic Okay, so Trevor, that was hilarious. I was like dying listening to that whole thing and also actually following along. The only difference is like your iMac is kind of some earlier magic and because Apple called all their keyboards magic and now this is kind of like the second generation of magic that has the inverted T. So if you, here's the big difference, honestly. If you feel how the iMac keyboard feels, it is more of a scissor switch but if you then tap on the keys of a new MacBook Pro or an iPad Pro, um, it has a little, I don't want to say it's softer, but it's a little more, I guess it's almost a little more sturdier too. It just, 
they put these like kind of, I believe there's like this kind of rubber cap thing underneath the key that's a little different between your Magic keyboard without the inverted T and the new Magic with the inverted T. Call it magic. It's whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I know. Really, really easy to uh, make sense of, huh? But anyways, that's kind of the explanation. Hope it helps. Let's go to John here. Hey, Brian. Uh, John from New York here. Um, So I have a question. I got the new MacBook, the i3 version. All I do is basically use Excel, Word documents, a couple websites for research, and an occasional podcast that I'm playing. But every reviewer that I'm seeing is saying to go and spring for the i5. Is it really, really worth it for someone with my basic um, use case? What are your thoughts on this? I really appreciate that. Thank you. What's up, John? Thanks for calling in. So here's what here's my take. The only reason why I mentioned in my review, it's imp- if if you want to do more creative stuff meaning photos and videos. Even if you want to dabble a little bit on it, in it, getting that extra juice will help you, you know, when you're rendering things out or adding more effects. But with your uses, to me, you don't need to. Now, will it help give your, maybe your machine an extra year of life per se? Maybe, but with what you're doing, you're honestly going to be fine. Now, the biggest thing also that some people have brought to my attention with the MacBook Air. People are saying, what happened is one reviewer basically put it through like some benchmark tests and we're like, oh, the MacBook Air fan goes off all the time. And it was like a Cinebench video rendering app for like four or five, something crazy. And so then this narrative started coming out that the MacBook Air overheats and the fan's on all the time. Now, I will tell you, when I did, when I used my MacBook Air, doing all the basic stuff I normally do, the fan did not go off. Now, when I used Final Cut Pro and I was rendering some video and just testing it out, the fan did go off. And the reality is that the MacBook Air, the way it's designed, is not like a powerhouse machine like a MacBook Pro is. It's not even made with the ventilation or the same cooling system as the MacBook Pro. And so, yes, it has the core i5, and sorry, i3, i5, i7 options, but it's... People were starting to talk about like it was a crappy machine. I'm like, this is this is crazy. This is not even me defending Apple. This is just me saying, with the use that you expect out of a machine like that, it should be fine. I'm going to guess, John, that you probably haven't had your fan go off that much either. It may not even be an issue. And so to me, if everything you do feels good, feels snappy, feels fine, and it is how that computer serves you for what you do, you're totally okay. You don't, don't let other people tell you to go get an i5 again my recommendation of that is because it can help give your machine a little extra lifespan with the with more processing power and more cores. That's why it helps. But what you're doing, I think you're all right. So hope that helps. All right, next up, Sean wants to talk about a little bit of the Magic Keyboard. Hey, Brian, it's Sean from Portland, Oregon. We are self-quarantined right now. Uh, even though I'm taking a little walk, I'm just going a little sir crazy. I don't see a soul in sight, so I think I'm safe. And I uh, just wanted to tell you, I'm also on that Magic Keyboard hype train. Now, uh, I teach fifth grade, and uh, interesting time to be a teacher, or really anybody in the world right now. But uh, we're now implementing a teaching and learning plan for our students and teachers uh, to go remotely, and which means we're, we're going to be using a lot more devices at home 
and uh, to be delivering a lot of our content online. So it's really interesting and new for a lot of teachers. Uh, but at any rate, uh, I have been thinking about that Magic Keyboard because it's going to be, I think, such a perfect pairing with that iPad Pro. And I have no reason to upgrade to that new iPad just because uh, the iPad Pro that I have is just over capable with whatever you can throw at it right now. There's nothing where I feel like it's ever slowing down. Even when I video edit using LumaFusion, it's just like so snappy. And anyway, uh, I have a bridge keyboard that I use with the iPad Pro. And one of the things I love about it is the fact that it's just so rigid. And even though it's kind of heavy, it's, a, it's as heavy as a MacBook Pro, I think, uh, I can set it on my lap and I can ju it just makes it so portable in that way. Unlike that dumb, smart keyboard where I put it on my lap, I feel like it's just gonna fall off. And it's like, oh, it's just not reliable in that way. Um, so I love the fact that it feels like an actual keyboard. And so I'm hoping, and uh, maybe you know the answer to this too, uh, will the smart keyboard be rigid, similar to the bridge keyboard? And I don't know if you've used it before, but one of the downsides of that bridge keyboard is that it just takes so long, it's so clunky to take the iPad out of the keyboard hinges. So when you do that, um, I mean, I love doing that when I, when I teach, I love to walk around with my iPad and uh, just have the flexibility to take it out of its keyboard, put it back onto its keyboard, but it just takes too long. It's, it's just not, it's not designed that way. So I'm hoping that the Magic Keyboard will be the answer for that. Let me know what you think. All right, thanks. Yes, yeah, Sean. So first of all, as a teacher, I commend you because my mom, my dad, my sister, I come from a family of all teachers. And so this is crazy challenging at this time. Um, but thank you for all your work that you're doing. And I think that parents that are listening or young people that are listening that are being homeschooled, I think there's a whole new respect for teachers coming out of this. Not that I ever wish coronavirus opened people's eyes up, but I do feel that there's a new level of respect of how hard it is to be a teacher, and hopefully there's a level of respect that improves and why a lot of times when someone says, oh, teachers don't work all year, I'll be like, try being a teacher for that long every year and see how long you last. You want year-round, year-long teachers, and there are teachers that do it you know, throughout the year, throughout the summer. My dad did as well, but it's not an easy job, and you're also managing, let's say you're dealing with kids. 30 kids. So it's kind of like a combination of teaching and at times babysitting and managing personalities and teaching. It ain't easy. Now for the magic keyboard, look, I'm going to find out when we all find out how sturdy it is just purely because of the mechanism of the switch scissor switch keyboard. It's going to have to be a little thicker. It's going to have to be sturdier. And I can't wait for that. Um, I have used the bridge, even the very, very first bridge. And I thought it was a cool idea. It was one of the first companies that made an effort to turn our iPads into kind of more of a laptop. But it is thick. It's still thick. And the 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 thing that sucks because I want to see a company like that succeed is that Bridge has been working on a new Bridge Pro that has a trackpad. And because Apple wasn't doing anything with it for a while, Bridge came up with their own concept, has a track touchpad, and also has their own gestures. But now that the iPad Pro has its own magic keyboard, Apple didn't work with Bridge to make Bridge's keyboard. So at the moment, unless they open up the APIs and partner with them, the Bridge keyboard has their own 
gestures, but it doesn't have all the gestures and all the functionality that an iPad Pro Magic Keyboard does or that even a new Logitech um, iPad keyboard for the earlier generations have. So if you want that full functionality, you shouldn't buy a Bridge Pro keyboard. And that's, I'm just gonna hope and think positive that Apple will end up working with them, but at the moment, they don't. So that's why also Bridge for me is immediately right out the door for this new generation um, if you wanted to get a Bridge versus a Magic Keyboard. All right, next up we've got Lewis. Hey, Brian. I hope you and your family are doing well in this crazy situation that we're currently finding ourselves in. I'd just like to say that I love the work that you do, and I've been a huge fan of you ever since your um, days at the other company that we won't mention. (laughs) Um, I really appreciate you going independent and Put yourself out there. Well done. Um, so my name is Lewis Robertson, and I'm known on social media as Fitspiration Coach. I'm from Aberdeen, Scotland, and I've just got a quick question um, about some Apple products. So my question today is: Since during the, this pandemic, I've noticed that there's a so, like a lot of new movies that were supposed to be released in theaters are coming straight to purchase or rent at the Apple TV store. Um, this is something personally i think is awesome and i wish would they would do more often do you believe this is something um that they would continue to do after this pandemic as a uh, huge movies are on going straight to streaming platforms like netflix and apple tv plus they're kind of already putting their new releases out there on their streaming platforms before obviously going in theaters or in, only in small theaters um i just wanted to ask your opinion on this and uh, see what you said. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. What's up, Fitspiration Coach? Hey, keep up the good work. I checked out your channel. Pretty cool stuff, what you're doing with kind of these high-intensity training sessions and just staying healthy during these times. So keep up the good work, my man. Um, The thing that I wanted to talk about in regards to what you said is, so Disney Plus was a really interesting example of how they were adapting to the changing times. And it might be a peak in the future, but right now it's still not real. So if in case you all didn't know, and I talked about this with Gil Cabrera on our last week's episode, we talked about how Frozen 2 came out on Disney Plus like two weeks after they made it available on, on demand. So normally uh, a movie might be on demand for three months and they're like, nope, because of quarantine, we're going to throw Frozen 2 on there. Disney also has tons of money that they sit on. And quite honestly, they were probably looking at the metrics and people probably weren't buying Frozen 2 as much as they thought they had they were going to because of the economy. And if they can drive people to longer term subscriptions be and they see that the evidence is that, ooh, this movie is kind of losing some momentum, that's actually a more of a business decision than it is like, oh, we're just going to give this to the people. Another prime example on Disney Plus, Onward. Now, I don't know about you all, but Onward was not marketed very well at all. It was not marketed. I watch every Pixar movie in the theaters. I did not go see Onward. Now, Onward came out, I think, the first week right when the pandemic started hitting. Everything started shutting down. And what did Disney do? Disney put Onward right on Disney+, Plus. I think, within two or three weeks of when it came out in the theaters and then pretty much didn't do was going to do nothing because of the pandemic. But here's the thing. Um, and reading because I pay it, you know, I'm reading all these type of articles. The actual movie Pixar's um, Onward did somewhere around, if I recall, 40 to 50 million in its first week in the theaters. I believe it was under 40, like 39 or so, which is actually not good for a movie that has a budget of roughly $200 million. Disney and Pixar tend to spend a whole lot of money on their animated films compared to what other studios do. Okay. Um, like 
roughly in the ballpark of 10 times as much and even more than other films. So Onward itself was not, although it was critically, it wasn't critically acclaimed, but it was given good reviews. Like, oh, this is a good movie. It wasn't like you have to see this. It wasn't like a Coco. It wasn't like an Up. It wasn't like, even Toy Story 4 was great. So I wasn't high on it. If Onward didn't have Disney+, Plus, that would arguably be maybe Pixar's first flop. But now that it was on Disney+, Plus, I saw it the day it came out, and I'm like, wow, this movie was great. I loved it. Part of it, it was on Disney+. Plus. Part of it, it surprised me because they did nothing in the marketing to make me want to see it. And so that's how it it is driven typically more by business decisions. Now, if we look at a little further down, I know I'm going on a long tangent about this, but maybe this is interesting. Black Widow originally had a um, a March release date and is pushed all the way to November right now. We don't know, quite honestly, if we'll even be able to see Black Widow in a movie theater. Here in California, there's already been news that the state of California is basically saying there will be no sporting events or mass gatherings or concerts until 2021 at the earliest. So that would kill any idea. And I don't want to go to a movie theater, quite honestly, to see Black Widow. And so what I had proposed a long time ago on Twitter when this coronavirus thing was happening is, okay, you don't have to put Black Widow on Disney Plus right away because you need to make money, but make sell it on demand, but sell it for a higher price point. So don't sell it for like $15 or $20 like a normal movie. Sell it for $30 to $40. And why? Well, the average household probably has around two, two and a half people. And so now these days when we go to movies, it's like 15 to 20 bucks. You're going to cover those. You're not going to be able to get all your money back that you would have at a theater, but you're still going to get a nice chunk of money. Make it at least available on demand, right direct to us for 30 to $40. I know you're saying, dude, that's too much, Brian. I'm, I get it. It's too much for a single individual but then go over to your friend's house and watch it. Split the cost. A family of four gets it for 40 bucks. That's $10 per person. That's reasonable. So if the coronavirus pandemic and the ability for us to not gather in public places continues to be drawn out, because we really don't know what the end of this is. People can talk about phase one, phase two, phase three of getting back to normal. Uh, We're not getting back to normal until we have a vaccine, until we have actual real contact tracing, and we have real testing that can then separate people that are infected from people that are not. We're not anywhere close to that in the U.S. South Korea, they know what's going on. So it's things are still up in the air, but I would like to see studios basically let us buy the movies directly online for a price that might be more than what we normally pay as an individual, but makes sense for an average household of two to two and a half people. There's my two cents. All right, let's go to John Mears. Yo, Brian, what's up? It's John Mears from Virginia. Hey, just wanted to uh, bring up the fact that you mentioned the new high-speed wireless 802.11ay coming to the new iPhones in the future. I was wondering if you thought, here's just a little tidbit, what if it is AirPlay 4K? Because that's what I'm thinking they're going to use it for. If they got a new Apple TV coming out, you currently cannot do AirPlay in 4K, and maybe that'll support 4K and who knows, maybe even Dolby Atmos over wireless. Just food for thought, man. Let me know what you think. Later. 
Uh, I love that idea. I don't know if it's going to actually happen, but I love that idea. How about this? Eventually it'll happen. I think you're right on the money. I don't know if it'll happen with the next um with the next Apple TV, but we'll see cuz we don't know the specs about it all other than we've seen a model number out there that is definitely clearly a new Apple TV. We just don't know what it is. All right, last call comes to us from my boy Will. Yo, BT, this is Will V calling from New Jersey, working out of the NYC. Just wanted to call in and talk to you about iWork. A couple weeks ago, you were asking people to call in about iWork. Well, I'm here, <laughs> and I'm here to talk about it. Pages, numbers, and Keynote to me, I've been using it for since 2008, and I refuse to use Office. I hate the fact that you have to pay for any kind of word processing these days anymore. I have made my brochure, my resume on these applications and they are terrific to me i think anybody can use them and you would have to find very specific tasks to do it i challenge anybody for 30 days to try pages numbers and keynote and try it out and see how you use it and learn because there are so many great things you can do inside these applications that you cannot do in word or it's very very difficult to understand just to move a square in a in a Anywhere on the document for me is just so easy in pages and you can convert anything into Word files or PDF files. I mean, there is no reason that nobody can use this software. So I give this an iWork challenge. I would try it out and I tell you, BT, you should try it out too. Thanks, dude. Bye. (laughs) Hashtag iWork challenge. And you know what? I'm not even hating on iWork. I use Keynote, but part of me is, look, because I'm on my own, independent, I, I've i kind of created a workflow that is super efficient. So even if it takes me, I don't know, and arguably, let's say I put out a, a new document and I have to learn different mechanics, X, Y, and Z, and it takes me another 15 or 20 minutes just to get comfortable with it. And then over time, I have to get more and more comfortable with it. I, I'm just going to be like, you know what? I'm going to go with what makes me efficient right now only purely from a work standpoint. If it was a casual, um, more related, like being creative and putting some things together, I would probably definitely give it a real shot. But for now, I cannot partake in a hashtag iWorkChallenge. But I encourage you to start the revolution right now. Right now. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for this week's show. Again, call in, be a part of it. Loved all your calls. Show at gmail.com with a Z. Just record a voice memo, email it to us. And also, this show is brought to you by our Platinum Apple sponsors, also you, but we've got to give credit to our Platinum Apple sponsors at the $100 level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Eric Cohen. Thank you so much for your support. For those of you who are supporting at different levels, oh my goodness, thank you so much. You know how much this means to me, especially during this time as well. And for those of you that want to and feel like, hey, you know what? I'm going to kick BTZ a bone. Just go to patreon.com slash Brian Tong. The link is also in the show notes. But you know, this is a this was a great week of a lot of stuff. I, I, I can't wait to see what else. I think this year is just so unique that we're still seeing products. It sometimes allows us to escape the reality of what's going on. But I continue to encourage you all to be safe, be good to each other, and Find ways to communicate or be connected to communities that you can, family and friends. Don't shy away from this. Don't do this alone. This is not 
easy and this is not ending anytime soon so just want to leave you with those words of encouragement to keep your heads up and uh, i'll be here every week with you you guys and gals energize me excite me with all those crazy calls it's just fun like this goes both ways we both contribute to each other and uh, i'm just thankful that i can do a great podcast and have fun with y'all and just talk about tech it's crazy so until next time everybody take care be safe it's the apple bits xl baby we'll talk to you soon peace peace